2: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the MLB.com StatCast podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello. Joining me here, MLB.com National Editor, Matt Myers. Matt, I don't know about you, but you know, we've been having a lot of fun with the catch probability shows the last couple weeks and I started thinking about what we should do for this week's show and I realized all of a sudden, oh my god, this is our last show before the season starts. We actually need to start doing season predictions. I was shocked at how quickly this has all happened.
0: Uh it's all happening indeed. I was uh I was up at 5:30 this morning. I was so excited. Yeah, um, is that
2: why you're up at 5:30 this morning? Yeah, my
0: uh my screaming 2-year-old had nothing right. to do with it <laughs> whatsoever.
2: Uh so it is Just a couple days before uh, the season starts, there's a a trio of games on Sunday, uh, which I'm really excited to see. And so we're going to go and obviously do our our season predictions, but obviously we're going to put a StatCast bent on this. We have, I think we did the same thing last year, 30 teams, and we actually have 60 StatCast stats. Matt and I both picked 30 stats per team. Uh, So I'm realizing now we— Not 30 stats per team. One per team. One per team. But 60 total. And I'm realizing now we can't spend five minutes on each stat or this is going to be like a six-hour show. So we're going to go through and really for each team, we've each picked out something different uh, that we find interesting about these teams. And we should just say right up front, we did make a gentleman's agreement for the Mets. It's not going to be Seth Lugo. Uh, We're going to steer clear of that for now. And then we're also going to, as we go, kind of lay out our season predictions which, as you'll notice, will be extremely identical to one another. And I'm not really sure if that's because Matt and I work closely together and have kind of the same outlook on baseball, or if that's just the way the league is shaping up this year. Maybe a little bit of both, right?
0: I think it's I think it's definitely a little bit of both.
2: All right. Well, let's start with the American League East. Um, we both picked – let's just say this. We both picked the entire American League identically. Uh, we both think the Red Sox. We're picking the Red Sox, even though they have starting pitching issues.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, they're they're the- – they're certainly the class a at least that's for sure
2: yes so um well let's start with the Red Sox here so you went with uh, an interesting thing about the Red Sox that was actually somewhat Orioles related well what's your Red Sox fact
0: this is one of the more random stats of the year but for some reason I can't get over it is that Mookie Betts faced Zach Britton three times last year he hit a fly ball all three times including a home run I think it was the only home run Britton allowed Zach Britton allowed 31 fly balls all season so there's, to me, there's like now the most f- fascinating matchup of the year is, the, is next time Mookie Betts faces Zach Britton, because he seems to be the only guy who can hit fly balls consistently against Britton. So
2: if he hits a fly ball, and even if it's just a fly out, everybody else will be like, okay, it's a fly out. We'll be like, yes, another fly ball. Uh, my Red Sox back, I had to go to Jackie Bradley Jr. His throwing arm, I don't think people quite understand how great his throwing arm is. We had 18 throws last year from outfielders that were 100 miles an hour or more including the playoffs he had six of them a full one-third were just of jackie bradley and at least two of them were on target which is what i always hear when i tweet about jackie bradley throwing hard that it was 10 miles high but whatever it's still a skill that's still a rocket arm um you know what you, we mentioned baltimore so let's go to them. you have another zach britton fact for baltimore what is zach britton's fact for baltimore
0: he allowed a slugging percentage of 196 against his two seam two seam sinker last year whatever you know whatever however you want to call it among pitchers who threw at least 102 seamers or sinkers, the next lowest was Familia, 301. So more than a 100-point gap between him and number two, this is which, an enormous which is insane.
2: Yeah, well, I, I kind of went to Jonathan Scope on this because you know people talk about Javier as being like amazing putting down the tag. Jonathan Scope is really good at that too. And not only that, he has the strongest throwing arm by a second baseman. uh His average last year on the max effort throws eighty-two point two miles an hour from a second baseman.
0: They're they're pretty similar players in a lot of ways. The
2: they they, big power, lots of strikeout issues. They are great arm, quick right, tag, right? And and you need, nobody thinks about them. People should pay more attention. The stuff. same way, uh, moving down the list, I think. Tampa Bay might be a team I'm a little higher on than most people like I don't know if they're going to score enough runs but that outfield defense looks unbelievable and I think the pitching staff could be really really good but despite all the stars on this team I actually went with Xavier Cedeno who's a name I think a lot of people don't know he's a left-handed reliever he was the only pitcher in baseball last year who allowed at least 50 balls in play to not allow a single barrel that's really cool I mean that's a skill and he had a, a 264 uh, fielding competitive pitching. Uh, that's a skill that is just the total lack of hard contact, which we're learning more and more about. For Tampa Bay, you want Kevin Kiermeyer, but not on defense.
0: Yeah, because I think people wonder how he's so good at defense, and this met- this stat I'm about to throw at you, I think it sort of helps explain how he has become the best center fielder in baseball. Is people don't realize how fast he is, um, and this in terms of what we what we um, classify as max hef- max effort times, which is basically your Nine, you're demonstrating 90th percentile and above, the average of all those. Um, he had the fourth fastest average home-to-first time in baseball last year, just behind Billy Burns, D Gordon, and Billy Hamilton. So basically the fastest guys in baseball, he's right there with
2: them. And, you know, since we've done so much to catch probability, I am comfortable saying he is the best outfielder in baseball. You right. know, for you know, for a while it was like, oh, he's up there with Pilar and NCRT and, uh, and these guys. No, he's the best, the best.
0: Yes, and I think for me, even if you want to put Hamilton in that conversation, I think the throwing arm— is what distinguishes Kiermaier from everyone else is that he has the elite speed and range, right, and an arm that's in. You know, he has like a basically a 70, 80-grade arm for that So we both have a second playoff team from
2: the American League East, right? We both picked Toronto not only to be the wild card, but to be the second wild card. <laughs> so that's uh, that's pretty fun. Now, I was on Toronto radio yesterday, and they were very upset that Fangraphs ranked their starting rotation to be uh, 16th best this upcoming year. And I explained why that was. Uh, Strata doesn't have a long track record. J-Hap doesn't have a long track record. Stroman got hurt and missed the whole year. That all makes sense to me. Um, but I really do think that this rotation is going to be good, especially we saw Stroman in the WBC. So your Toronto fact is actually about the, the Starting rotation,
0: yeah. And um, there's a uh, Tom Tango has developed six types of batted ball classifications, with barrels um, being one of them. And then there's one that's called topped, which is basically what you think it is. It's basically balls that are hit straight into the ground. And among pitchers who faced at least 500 batters, they have number two and three in the topped category. Marcus Stroman number two, Aaron Sanchez number three. So they're definitely they you know they they installed the new turf last year. Was last year or two years? Two, last year at the Rogers Center. Big, uh, two of the best ground ball pitchers uh, in baseball.
2: All right. Well, that's an interesting one. What I went was the opposite direction. Uh, Kentris Morales was not a very popular signing there. It happened really quick after the season. He can't run. He can't play defense. But he actually hit 30 homers for the Royals last year. He was the first Royal to do that since 2000, which is unbelievable to think about. So we uh, hit probability. We've talked about a lot you can bubble that up into getting an estimated OPS for an entire season. And the difference between estimated OPS and actual OPS, his was the largest in baseball. His estimated was 147 points higher than his actual. And part of that's because he's very slow, but also part of that's because It's really hard to hit for power in that Kansas City ballpark. He had 12 outs last year on balls he hit 380 feet or further. The LNB average on those balls, 815. Like, those were outs that should have been home runs in so many other places. And going from from KC to Toronto, I really think he's going to have a
0: pretty good season. And uh, for for you fantasy players out there, the crazy thing about Morales, particularly if you play in Yahoo Leagues, Yahoo, the official fantasy partner of MLB.com, Kenny Morales despite playing only 12 games in the field last year, played seven at first base and five in right field somehow. So he has eligibility at first base and the outfield, or right field specifically, if you play in a league that that designates outfield. So he actually also has sneaky fantasy value because of his versatility.
2: Fantasy baseball, as always, real weird. Uh, Moving on to the Yankees, we both had a pair of throwing arms. For me, I went with Gary Sanchez, and everybody's going to see him trying to hit home runs because he went on this historic tear last year. But for me, what stands out about him He probably is the strongest throwing arm of any catcher in baseball. Uh, We looked at at throw strength to second base on steals last year. 58 catchers had at least 10 of them. He was number one, 86.4 miles an hour. Uh, The homers are great, but that arm is an absolute cannon, and it's not even the best throwing arm in the Yankee defense, is it?
0: Yeah, I know it happened last April, but the Aaron Hicks 105.5 mile-per-hour throw for an assist, I'm not sure we talked enough about it. Like, I still can't get over it in a certain sense, and I think that it is— You know, thus far, the the longest home run we've seen in the StatCast era was 504 feet by Giancarlo Stinn at Coors Field. I think we're going to see a homer farther than that before we're going to see an assist on a throw faster than 105.5 miles per. I I
2: thank the baseball gods every day that throw was on target and actually got the guy at the plate. So it's interesting to keep talking about. Like,
0: it's basically – on record, it's basically the best throw in baseball history, and and you know going in the stack era, and like basically we're gonna have to see how long we have to wait till we. Uh, we're, see we're gonna these.
2: be old men talking about Aaron Hicks. Uh, so that's the American League East. Matt and I both think the Red Sox are gonna win the division. We both think Toronto will get a wild card. Moving on to the Central, I, we both picked Cleveland, and Cleveland's a strong team. But I get the feeling we both kind of picked them by default a little bit because every other team in the division has a, a, some issues, and even Cleveland, they, you know, have some injury issues now. So I'm I'm not sure how strong I am in them, but we both picked Cleveland, right? We had to go Cleveland.
0: It's the I think they might be the most obvious choice of any team like in in baseball like i think that like the the the, the, the other teams that yeah i guess but the other teams that division are just there's they're just so rebuilding. many building like
2: yeah. I, I listen i'm really excited to watch the twins this year like i i can't wait to watch twins i don't think they're gonna win a ton of games but they're gonna be so much fun to watch
0: they will be fun to watch and they, i guess you could squint but the tigers but you know jd martinez has heard Mickey's having back problems. That
2: outfield is that outfield looks a little rough. So you know, let's start with with Cleveland. We actually, uh, I should point out, Matt and I built these lists independently of each other. We both ended up going spin rate here for Cleveland, which I thought was was cool. Oh, no, sorry, we didn't. I went spin rate, and you cool. went with uh, breaking ball. You I said.
0: should give a tip of the cap to researchers uh, Andy Simon, <laughs> Matt Kelly, and David Adler for coming up with a lot of this stuff.
2: Uh, yes, uh, yes, they uh, they did a wonderful job. Helping us out, so I went with spin rate for Cody Allen, who I think continues to be really underrated. But I thought this was fascinating, and this was from uh, one of our researchers. So on his four-seam fastball, his spin rate was just over 2,500 RPM. That's the fifth highest in baseball. High spin rate in a fastball is really cool. Uh, it can get you strikeouts, it can get you pop-ups. But he also had the absolute highest exit velocity on it, allowed at 94 miles an hour. Um, and he was really good last year. But I found that to be a really interesting combination of things, and I, I want to see how that goes again
0: this yeah, year. Yeah, it uh, you know. You do wonder if, if Allen ever struggled, if they would ever consider switching the roles and making Miller more of a traditional— despite what we saw in the postseason last year, if they would ever kind of switch the roles and yeah. making Miller more of the traditional traditional closer. Well, that
2: is one thing they will have this year is a full year of Andrew Miller, which they obviously didn't have last year. And you went with Andrew Miller for your Cleveland fact.
0: Yeah, his, his breaking ball usage last year, counting curveballs and sliders, was 59.8%. So basically 60% of the time he threw a breaking ball which was the highest in Major League Baseball, a minimum of 1,000 pitches thrown. It just goes to show the way that I think that pitchers are changing. We've talked a lot about this with Rich Hill. It's a great example. Just the way pitchers are sort of changing strategies and there's more pitchers who are embracing the idea of what would traditionally be called pitching backwards and basically like pitching off of your breaking stuff or off your off-speed stuff. And Andrew Miller has become the most dominant reliever we, in baseball basically doing just that yeah
2: we saw I wrote about this we saw like 7,000 more curveballs last year than the year before like the curveballs coming back uh, I'm looking at our Detroit notes now and we kind of went a, a very similar path here which I think this is going to go back to what we're learning about Comerica Park and how hard it is to hit there so for mine I went with uh, estimated weighted on base so very similar estimated OPS uh, they have the best estimated weighted on base in baseball and that includes batted ball contact strikeouts and walks their collection of hitters. Based on what they showed at the plate, were the best. Now, it didn't actually end up being the best because of your stat, I think, right?
0: Yeah, the the stat I had was that there there were five players last year who had four outs that were hit at least four hundred feet, and the Tigers had two of them. Miguel Cabrera had seven outs that went traveled four hundred feet, and Justin Upton had four outs that traveled four hundred. Yeah, do you know eight.
2: what the major league average was on balls that went four hundred feet or longer? Nine forty. <laughs> So when you're crushing the ball like that uh, and it's turning into outs, I mean that that dead center at Comerica is just it's the it's now with with Houston pulling theirs in, it's now the deepest of baseball.
0: Yeah, and the only, and the only team that actually had more 400 foot outs at home than the Tigers was the Rockies, which isn't that surprising just because how much easy the the sheer mass of balls that are hit, you know, in that 390 to 410 foot range well significantly it's not a, it's not a rate I'm it's, gl- a, it's a raw number i'm
2: glad you brought that up because that organically leads, leads us into my kansas city royal staff and this kind of goes back to a little bit what i was talking about with Kendrys morales what was the average, the highest average home run distance in baseball? That well, was the Rockies, unsurprisingly, because the thin air carries the ball. Do you know which te- which venue had the second highest average home run distance? I'm gonna guess the Royals. It was Co- the Royals. Co- and now you might think to yourself, okay, well, these can be skewed by the you know the skill of the players you have, but the Royals have never really had like these massive Giancarlo Stanton guys. What that actually shows is that there's no cheap home runs there. If you're gonna put one out, you have to really put it out. There's no short porch like there is in Yankee Stadium or left field in, in Houston, um, and I think that's really interesting to see. You would have never guessed that and that was fascinating to me this kind of goes back to hitting in kansas city really really difficult huge outfield which is why those speedster guys they've had like kane and dyson have really been a, a big part of their success
0: um speaking of kane my royal stat is has to do with catch probability because as you know we've talked a lot about a lot recently particularly as it pertains to 2016 but we haven't talked about it much in regards to 2015 but we have that data if you go back to 2015 lorenzo kane tied with billy hamilton in 2015 For the most five-star catches, fourteen. So really, he actually has the single-season record right now for five-star catches in a season. That's interesting. So he is he that right now the last year he had ten. he had fourteen. uh He and Hamilton had fourteen in two thousand fifteen. So that's that is the standard right now. Is fourteen five star catches in the season? Lorenzo Cain and Billy Hamilton.
2: All right, and then you know, Minnesota. We we kind of talked about the Twins. We've actually talked about the Twins a lot on this show. I think because we're both enormous fans of uh, of Byron Buxton, and I think both of our stats here kind of go towards Byron Buxton. So you just mentioned five star plays. That's what I have for the Twins here. Last year they had eighteen five star plays, and that's tied with the Reds. For the most in baseball and now Buxton had five Kepler had five but what was really interesting is the twins overall did not have a very good outfield defense because Buxton only played half the year Kepler only played half the year they had Sanoa out there but when those guys got up there they started making really highlight plays and I think this year their outfield defense is going to be so much better than it was last year it's going to help that pitching staff a lot
0: for sure although I do wonder and this is one of the things we'll see over time is how much when you look at those raw totals is it a pitching staff that hits a lot of allows a lot of challenging a lot, right. a lot of challenging catches <laughs> 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 there's probably some truth to that um yeah speaking of buxton um he has the fastest home to home time in the Statcast stat cast area he had an inside the park home run i think it was like maybe the last day of the season the last weekend of the season 14.1 seconds around the bases and what's amazing about that is that he's a right-handed hitter and number two on that list is d gordon a left-hand hitter 14.2 he did in 2015 so it just speaks to how fast byron buxton really is in, 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 pure, in terms of pure sprint speed. There's no one—I mean, he's as as fast as anyone. I'm so excited to see Byron Buxton. Uh, And finally, the Chicago White Sox, a team who definitely exists.
2: Uh, I went with Nate Jones. I think he's really underrated. I remember writing about this like a year ago. He's not a closer, so you don't really think about him that much. Um, But he's incredibly effective. Last year, 229 ERA, 80 strikeouts against 15 walks. And the reason he does that, 97.1 miles an hour on his sinker. That's the third— fastest sinker behind Noah Syndergaard and Zach Britton uh, two pitchers you might have heard of so Nate Jones is actually got to watch he's like someone you could pick up at the deadline and maybe be a closer down the stretch yeah
0: no question that you know you hear so much talk about David Robertson getting traded but he's you know he's got a big contract like Nate Jones might be the most like if you, if you think about it now the player most likely to be traded this year yeah, he's the guy I'd want <laughs> he's he's cheaper he's nasty every team could always use bullpen help like Market. Market. Okay, Nate Jones. All right, so you maybe went with a future reliever? I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Lucas Giolito a bit on the show, and I'm really fascinated by him and the fact that his four-seam spin rate is pretty pedestrian. Relative. You know, we've talked a lot about with spin rate, you either want to be really high, good four-seam, get that rising fastball, or really low, kind of get a little bit of that that dive on your, on your, uh, your two-seam. Giolito is right in the middle, and that's not really where you want to be. So despite the fact that he throws really hard, although his fastball velocity in his brief stint in the majors wasn't overwhelming. It was in the 94-mile-per-hour 90, range. His spin rate was uh, 2,062. Uh, league average is twenty two sixty four. 64 so it's, he, he wasn't really getting swings and misses on the fourth team. He was only up for a brief period. We don't know, but I think that he's – for me, as I've said before, he's the real test case of kind of like how quickly we're going to be able to sort of see prospects when they come up if their fastball kind of has life, if they – you know, we'll look at their spin rate on the fourth team and be able to – maybe be able to tell pretty quickly whether or not it's going to be an effective major league pitch
2: yeah like i said at the time i liked the deal for the white Sox, but i didn't think that they destroyed the nationals in the same way that the eaton deal that a lot of people thought they did uh so that's the american league central we're both going with cleveland uh and i think that's probably going to be the case a lot, uh, across most baseball predictions this year so let's move to the american league west where once again we have the same idea we both are going with houston and i have some real concerns about the depth of that rotation but i, I look at that lineup that might be the deepest lineup in all of baseball and that's why i went with my set here 91.8 miles an hour that's from carlos correa it's the highest average exit velocity by a shortstop last year and you think about all the amazing shortstops we saw last year he had the highest exit velocity and we know that he played through pain a couple times i think he could have that really big monster
0: year this year that everybody's been kind of waiting for i think i have him as my al mvp pick do you really um oh yes you do i can say <laughs> yes. all right so, so you're yes, so I'm, you're on board <laughs> i'm on board the uh, the carlos correa training for 2000 uh, 2017 yeah i know i think i i have houston edging out the um the mariners you know, I, I like the marriage, I like the moves they made. I think they were able to, to improve in like interesting ways. At the same time, they're still relying on guys well into their 30s to reap. I mean, last year, Cano and Cruz played at the high end of what you would expect from them. So to, to expect them to do that again, given they're both in their mid to late 30s, as kind of depressing as that is for someone in his mid to late 30s. Yeah, um, yeah. think about that <laughs> for a second. <laughs> um, it's They're going to need some other guys to really – pick up the slack around them. And, you know, maybe Kyle Seeger's got a little more in him. Maybe, you know, Mitch Hanniger can kind of live up to the projections and be a real impact player. We don't—Segura's kind of a, a bit of an unknown. So there's there's a lot of question marks around there. The outfield defense should be better. Should be really good. Well, we both picked Seattle to host the wild card Yeah, so I think— th- th- But, th-
2: but th- before we get to them, tell us your, your Astros
0: because I know you're fact, excited about Jake Marisnik. Marisnik is sort of—you know, I, I've mentioned before, I think he's sort of the, the poor man's Kiermaier. Um, he was third in MLB in 2016 in five-star catches— And fourth with an eighty percent success rate on four star plays. So despite that two sixty career OBP or whatever, he's a given. His speed, his range, his arm—he's a cannon. He is a great um, outfield reserve, and a team that's not going to look at that lineup. They're not going to need a lot of pinch hitters. So having a guy who's a great, an asset as a pinch runner and a defensive replacement is. He, he really makes sense on that roster.
2: Yeah, especially you look at the outfield. Beltran might play some outfield. He's obviously getting up there in age. Macy Gattis out there a little bit. Springer doesn't have a ton of experience in center field. You know, Reddick's not that young anymore. You need a guy like that who can spot at any of those spots. He'll be perfect for that. Uh, but getting back to the Mariners, you actually went with Robinson Cano as, as your stat here, and I thought this was a really interesting one.
0: Yeah, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, players trying to increase their launch angle, um... To improve, Daniel Murphy maybe be, being the biggest example last year. We saw a huge increase in launch angle from 2015 to 16, went on to have an MVP caliber season. But among players who had at least 250 balls in play in both 15 and 16, the highest increase in launch angle was Robinson Cano, who went and had a huge bounce back year last year. He went from average launch angle of 5.4 degrees to 11.8. And what's also interesting is that fourth on that list was Gene Segura went from 6.1 to 11.7 and had one of like the most surprising seasons in baseball last year It makes you think that maybe if his swing changes are for real that like he's a new he's a new man i
2: remember writing about cano in 2015 when he got off to that rough start and he's still hitting the ball hard but just grounder 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 and there the launch angle comes up uh, and that production went with it my guy for seattle this is or my number is plus 2.2 miles an hour that is the velocity increase for James Paxton between twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen. I am all on board the James Paxton train. If he's healthy, I think he's gonna be a star. That was the highest increase of any left handed pitcher. It was the second highest of anybody overall. And David Phelps went to the bullpen, so that kind of explained part of that. James Paxton, I think, is gonna be a total stud this year. I-, I could not be higher on him. He's gonna be he stays healthy. I know that's always the big if, but we saw it last year down the stretch. He
0: looked really, really good. Yeah, and the if if, if my recent fantasy auction is any indication, a lot of people think yeah, that I bet. <laughs> he, <laughs> he ended up going for a lot more than I thought he would.
2: Yeah, I remember I wrote a thing about breakup picks and I, I had like a real kind of crisis of confidence here like did he already break out or not i wasn't sure and eventually went with yes um texas is still in the west and texas won the division last year and uh, i think still a lot of people are on board the texas train i look at that rotation and i see okay darvish is awesome he's actually my cy young picture there is darvish hamels is great and then beyond that that i mean that's rough i mean that there's there's probably no bigger difference between the top end and bottom end of any contenders rotation in baseball that's what worries me about yeah that. So I went with Darvish as my uh, my pick here, and this is a spin rate thing. He had a spin rate on his four-seamer uh, of just over 2,500 RPM, third highest by any starting pitcher behind Verlander and Scherzer. And you certainly don't want to say high spin guarantees you success, but those three names are some pretty good names. You know, he looked really good when he came back from surgery last year.
0: Yeah, for sure. Speaking of spin rate on the um, on the uh, Rangers, another name, my my guy Matt Bush. You said Darvish was 2511 RPMs average on his four-season seamer. Bush was 2551. And I just think it's kind of fascinating, this guy who was, you know, washed out shortstop, had like some issues with you know, with alcohol, went to jail for a DUI, like a really sort of like sad story of the number one overall pick as a shortstop sort of being a complete bust and then coming back as a reliever and having this sort of like really unique skill that made him – very effective and he's going to be looks like going to be an effective reliever for a few years
2: yeah well let's stick with spin for a minute and go to the angels um i actually went with andrew belly and i think he's a really interesting case he had the number one spin rate in baseball on his fastball 2674 the mlb average on the four-seamer was 2264 and yet andrew Bailey wasn't actually that good last year he got cut by the phillies now when he went to the angels uh he actually he did a lot better so i think it's an interesting way to explain like i said fastball spin is really great but it's like fastball velocity it doesn't guarantee you anything it just puts you in a better position to succeed now that said i wouldn't be mad if andrew bailey came out and had a really good year this year um because you know the angels obviously they need as much help as they can get on the pitching side and you went with a a pitcher on the angels too who we used to talk about in the pre-seth lugo era as the king of spin
0: yeah well it's garrett richards who in 2015 had the highest spin rate among pitchers who threw at least 700 pitches um you know, he hurt his elbow. He had a slightly torn UCL last year. Didn't have Tommy John. Had the, uh, the Platman plasma. Rich we'll go PRP. PRP. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, PRP injections. He's back. He's thrown really well in spring. And, you know, the Angels are a bit of a divisive team. They're one of the teams we kind of disagree on. I wouldn't say I'm high on the Angels per se, but I can definitely um, see how they could compete for a wild card spot. But it it is completely predicated on – Garrett Richards being an effective pitcher for I'd say probably 180 innings, and Tyler Skaggs and Matt
2: Schumacher. That's that's the issue for me is all these injury-prone guys have to stay healthy.
0: Yeah, there's no question, but they they sort of improved where they could. They added some good defensive players. They're stronger up the middle defensively. Danny Espinoza, bonus stat, stat cast fact, highest max average arm strength from shortstop last year, though yeah. he's gonna be playing second base for them.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, there's no doubt that defense I think is gonna be uh, really really good. Martín Maldonado. Uh, one of the new catchers by the way also has a cannon of an arm uh, and then the final team in the west is oakland and i'm never i'm never really sure where, where oakland is going like i think they're going to be decent because they've got a lot of interesting players but they always seem to be kind of stuck in the middle but they do have uh chris with a k davis and this is where you went because chris with a k davis is amazing
0: highest barrels per plate appearance in baseball last year uh, minimum 100 balls in play 10 points 10.7 percent uh of the time he barreled the ball which is pretty impressive that's not that's not just on balls and play that's plate appearances. Yeah, we talk- like when he co- hits contact, number two on that list is Miguel Cabrera. So when he makes contact, he hits the ball hard.
2: Well, we talked to him for a project we're working on about more home runs, and he basically said he hit the weight room last year. Like he, fe- he felt like he put five pounds of muscle on, and he felt it. Um, I also went with the Chris Davis-related stat, but kind of in the total other direction. So you chose something he's really, really good at. I went with the fact that... Uh, we did a preview of 2017 outfield arm strengths, and the A's have the lowest expected outfield arm strength, just 82.6 miles an hour. Chris Davis can't throw the ball. I mean, there's really nobody in that outfield who can throw the ball, and you know that's not as important, I don't think, as crushing the baseball. That's a more valuable skill, but I found that real interesting we talk about all these cannons, and the A's and the Giants. It must be a Bay Area thing. Neither of those teams really have any strong arms out there. Uh, so that is the American League for us. So Matt and I really both picked the same thing, Boston, Cleveland, Houston, to win the divisions, Seattle and Toronto in the wildcard game. Uh, as we kind of alluded to, you went Correa for your MVP. I went Trout because how could I not go Trout? Uh, you went Chris Sale, and I went with you Darvish for the uh, Cy Youngs, and then we both went Andrew Benintendi because like how could you not, based on how, the way he came out last year? And then managers, I hate picking managers. Of the years I really do, but I went AJ Hinch, uh, and you went Scott Service. A. O. West.
0: Uh, yeah. Before we move on to the AL, I wanted to uh, take a second to mention the uh, the Executive Access podcast with uh, Mark Feinstein. Mark is over the course of spring training has been interviewing all 30 uh, Major League GMs can get in-depth uh, talk with every single one about their background how they got into the game and each one has also talked about um, how advanced metrics specifically uh, StatCast are impacting the way fans are watching the game and on a recent podcast uh, Cubs GM Jed Hoyer spoke specifically about uh, the positive impact uh, StatCast is having on fans
1: StatCast has made a lot of the, the analytics more widely available yeah. to the public now do yeah. you think it's changing the way fans are looking at the game? Yeah, I think in a good way. I mean, I think that it's, um, you know, I love it. Like in a guy, it's a home run now, and you're like, how hard did he hit that? Or the guy lines out to second or something. You like, oh, that was 108 miles an hour off the bat. And I do think that it's gonna, um, it's gonna change the way th- this next generation views baseball. But um, I think that's, a, I think that's a positive. I think that it, it, it adds a, another another layer to our valuation, um, and I do think that it will. Not yet, but I think in time, you know, as we get better and better and better at it, I think that it will shine a light on a lot of players that previously would have been ignored. You know, I think that the, a great base runner or a, a great defender will probably get his his due now, whereas I think they, they think for a long time, not because anyone didn't believe in those things, but they couldn't quantify them. And so, things you sometimes things that can't you can't quantify don't get aren't believed in, like homers and RBIs and runs scored and things like that. And so. You know, a a super impactful defender or a super impactful base runner now I think will get the credit he probably has always deserved.
2: Very good. Let's go to the National League. And I think the National League is, um, in some sense, like everybody in the world is going to pick the Cubs. But I I do think there's some interesting teams kind of like pushing towards a wild card. So if we start in the East, uh, we did both pick the Nationals. And I I think we both also picked the Mets to be the wild card because I think that's maybe like one of the tightest races. Uh, But I just I can't ever trust the Mets uh, starting pitching health,
0: right? Isn't that especially Steve and Mats now? I think the Mets have the highest. They high they, they, they are the highest variance team in baseball. I I don't. Ninety five wins would not surprise me. Seventy five wins wouldn't really surprise me either. To be honest with you, like I think that, that the gap is that wide when you consider that, base you know, Harvey, Degrom, Mats, Wheeler all have significant injury history. And and, as we know the biggest predictor of pitcher pitcher injury is previous injury. And and three main guys in their infield are
2: coming off. Serious back injuries, too. And if you look at your pick for your stat for the Mets here, he is Juan Lagares who got hurt last year and is now kind of hurting in spring training Yeah, and again. apparently
0: the the MRI wasn't as bad as they feared. He might be ready for opening day. Um, Juan Lagares they kind of need him because their outfield is very left-handed heavy in terms of left-handed hitters, and they don't really have a true center fielder. Juan Lagares is one of the best center fielders in baseball. In fact, last year on one- to four-star play, so putting five-star plays out, he was the only um, outfielder in baseball, who was perfect on one-to-four-star plays. Perfect. He was 30-for-30 on one-to-four-star plays, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, Keon Broxton, who we'll talk more about in a little bit, was second at 91.5%. So Lagarus didn't play a ton. He missed some time. But, like, when he was on the field, he was – perfect on basically everything but the absolute toughest plays
2: and as i remember one of his five star plays was in miami and that's where he hurt his thumb and that's yeah. where he kind of ruined his season making an incredible play um i also chose a met who's kind of dealing with injuries and this is david wright and i understand we don't really know what to expect from david wright this year but this has been one of my favorite stats for a while is if you don't just look at total barrels if you look at barrels per ball and play like when you put the ball in play how often do you do something great with it David Wright was number one last year. No, a low minimum, only fifty balls in play, but he did that twenty percent of the time, just ahead of Gary Sanchez and byung Ho Park. Who I'm always big on byung Ho Park, but I thought that was cool. It tells you a little bit of a story about David Wright. Like, yeah, he's kind of he's not the guy he used to be, but when he played last year, he hit the ball really, really hard at the right angle. That's that's cool. I like for, that
0: for sure. Very interesting guy. We'll see when he comes back.
2: Uh, let's move on to the Nationals because I think we both picked the Nationals. Uh, you sort of alluded to this a little bit before, Daniel Murphy. You know, well known by now for. Digging into the stats and really turning himself into a superstar, he had the third highest launch angle increase in baseball last year from the year before. He upped it from six point uh, up, he added six degrees to his launch angle. I mean, and and he's a guy who's talked at length. Uh, You know, he was told that his exit velocity and batting average were better when he hit the ball in the air to his pull side. So that's what he did. I mean, he makes it sound so easy. Like, it's (laughs) not hard to hit a 98 mile an hour slider and just do that. Um, But not only that, like, what I really like about that is he's starting to, like, to, like, teach his teammates about this. Like, we, Ryan Zimmerman hit the ball really hard and had a terrible season because he hit into the ground. And he's trying to work with Ryan Zimmerman and say, You're doing the hard part. You're barreling the ball up. Just let's get it a little bit higher. And I'd be really excited if Ryan Zimmerman is better this year because of that.
0: Yeah, Murphy had a quote uh, he told uh, our Nats reporter, uh, Jamal Collier. He's like, Yeah, I, I try and hit the ball 98. 98- miles per hour with an exit velocity of 28 degrees. Like, oh, oh. I wonder where he got that number <laughs> yeah, from. very specific, wasn't it? And uh, I, for those who are wondering, a barrel is basically defined yeah. as starting at 98 between 26 and 30 degrees.
2: But I always laugh when I see that quote. He's like, yeah, I, I want them to hit it between, you know, tw- 26 and 30 degrees at 98 miles an hour. And I'm like, that's cool, but why not 110 <laughs> miles an hour? That would be even cooler. He uh, doesn't want to be greedy. He
0: doesn't want to be greedy.
2: Uh, so anyway, the big move the Nationals made this offseason was to acquire Adam Eaton, And so that was who you picked for your stat here.
0: Yeah, he had the... Um, most combined four and five star catches last year. He had a total of thirty, uh, which was most in baseball. Uh, Billy Hamilton was second with twenty four. Obviously, last year Eaton was playing a lot of right field. The Nats are going to be asking him to play center field this year, so it'll be interesting to see if that translates. Because as, as we've we've talked about, Andrew McCutcheon, you know, data showed that he's really good at going to his right, which is why he'll be theoretically be better on right field. So, with Eaton, you know, he's only really been asked to go all out to his right. We'll see if. Yeah. you know he's he's as good going to his life. Well,
2: he was great but the, the interesting thing about him making the most is that he had the most opportunities like by far and that's because he played every day uh you know the white Sox pitching staff was allowing a lot of balls in play so i thought that was really interesting I'm kind of interested about the Phillies this year. You know, they kind of made a big step forward last year. I don't know if they're quite there yet, but if the pitching staff can stay healthy, I think that's going to be really cool. So you went with a guy who uh, gets a ton of swing and misses.
0: Yeah, uh, Vince Velasquez, 27.4% of the time, uh, that was his missed swing rate on four seamers in 2016. That was ahead of—that's number one. That was ahead of Verlander, DeGrom, Scherzer. Like, that— this guy's got electric stuff. If he stays healthy. Yes.
2: Uh, I went with with Odoble Herrera. I had to because we wrote about Kelly League plays recently. I don't even know if we talked about Kelly League plays here, but the short version is, if you remember Bad News Bears, uh, Kelly League was the best outfielder, best player in the entire town, and to prevent his... Teammates were making errors, he would just run in front of them and grab every ball he could. So, we decided we could do that too. So, a Kelly League play is when a center fielder makes a much more difficult play than the outfielder next to him would have had to make. And We found some amazing videos of this. Uh, Herrera did this six times over the last two years, which was the leader. And you know, it, sometimes it's like the center fielder has to take charge, and that's fine. But you can just see on some of the videos, the outfielders are looking at him like, come on, man, like, what are you doing? So, I thought that was really funny. Um, they're a team on the way up, and so, so would be Atlanta, I suppose. And I kind of went with one of their outfielders, Ender Inciarte. You know, he had 10 five-star catches last year. I said at the time, the reason I didn't like the Shelby Miller trade wasn't so much because of Swanson, because I thought Inciarte was more valuable than Miller, and he showed that last year. He's an absolute elite outfielder tied with Adam Newton for the most five-star catches last year.
0: Yeah, I think the Braves are going to be uh, a competitive team this year. You know, not not a playoff team, but I think, you know, last year for the first three months or so, they were basically just a, you know— and also, then also ran one of the worst teams in the league. But then they, you know, they uh, added Matt Kemp, who hit well for them. They got some guys back from injuries. Swanson came up, and by the end of the year, they were they were uh, like a, a tough t- a tough team.
2: Yeah, and now they have Bartolo and Dickey. Now yeah, they're exactly. going to be a fun team and a new stadium to
0: watch. Um, my uh, my stat is Freddie Freeman. Last year had 18 barrels off left handed pitchers, which was the most by a left handed hitter in baseball. Brandon Belt was second with 17. I'm just fascinated by you know that in the age of specialization. Left hand hitters who are kind of immune to lefty specialists just to me make them you become that much more valuable because there's so many good left hand hitters who you can get out in late innings just by bringing in you know your loogie, your lefty one out guy. And Freeman has sort of shown that he's 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 loogie proof.
2: I've been thinking a lot about Freddie Freeman lately. I, I think he's going to be a really interesting guy going forward. Um, so that's the NL East. We both think the Nationals are going to win the, the Marlins. Oh, I'm so sorry, because I, I had the to Marlins. get we had to get
0: a Giancarlo John Carlos Fact here because he has. Forty-two batter balls of 115 miles plus in the Statcast era the last two years. Number two on that list is Carlos Gonzalez with 11. With 11, and remember he went through a six-week stretch last year
2: where he basically struck out every single plate appearance. He wasn't even making contact to do that, and he's still that far up. It's
0: I mean he's like on his just in his own his own stratosphere. You know it's it's. That just, I think that stat just sort of yeah. speaks to it right there.
2: It's that is, it's like one of the, the the Statcast stats that just keeps on giving is how amazing he is. Um, and then I, I went with D Gordon. He got a little bit forgotten last year because he he was coming off a great year and he got suspended and he came back and he didn't play very well, but he's still D Gordon. He's still extremely fast. So we looked at. Uh, Max effort times from home to first, not on bunts, uh, from lefties. And his average, 3.86 seconds, it's the second fastest. I mean, he's still i am interested to see, you know, a full season, which version of D. Gordon we get, because I think that's going to be a really big indicator of how well the Marlins are going to be, and that bullpen's really been rebuilt. So, sorry, I forgot about the Marlins, but that's the East now. Uh, We both think Washington's going to win. We both think the Mets are going to host a playoff game. Let's move to the Central. Unsurprisingly, we both think the Cubs— but this is actually the one division where we have one slight difference, and that's who's going to be the second wild card. But let's get with the Cubs first. Uh, your Cubs fact actually
0: was, was extremely recent, right? This isn't from last year. Yeah, well, you know, p- pitchers pitchers who rake, it's a fun co- topic on social media. Uh, Jake Arrieta has the longest home run by a pitcher in the regular season in the Stackhouse era, 440 feet. Hit it last April uh, in Arizona, where the ball flies, uh, off Shelby Miller, in fact. And then uh, last week in spring training... He hit one at Salt River where we have a statcast. 464 feet, where the ball also flies. It was there was wind that day. I had a, yeah. I, I saw the reading and I, I emailed Steve Gilbert, our, uh, our reporter reporter was at the on site. I was like, is the wind blowing out? And he was sending me video of the, of the flag blowing out to center field. So yes, there was it was wind aided, but it was still 464 by a pitcher. It is the unofficial record because it was spring training, but he still owns holds the regular season record, and I, I, I like that. That was awesome. Uh, I went with, with something interesting about Chris Bryant. So his launch angle at home,
2: right, went from 23 degrees in 2015 down to a little over 20 degrees in 2016. And that's kind of the opposite of what you think. Everybody's talking about elevating, lifting the ball. And he his was down, and he was asked about it. And he basically said... He wanted to get it lower just a little bit to combat the Wrigley Field wind. Because when the wind's blowing out, anybody can hit a homer on there. But when the wind's blowing in, if you get it too high up, it's going to get stuck. He wanted to kind of a lower line drive uh, to get it through. And he did that, and he actually cut down his strikeout rate, too. So he's one of my favorite examples of a guy, like a younger guy, really using the data to, to be smarter about things. And, you know, if the wind is an issue, like, here's what I'm going to do to fix that. I just think that's, like, the coolest thing. So we both picked a wildcard team to go face the Mets out of the Central, but we did not pick the same wildcard team. This is the only place we diverged here at all. Uh, I went with the Cardinals. You went with the Pirates uh, coin flip, I guess, right? I could have gone either way. I assume you probably could have too.
0: Yeah, I'm probably uh, – I've always been a little bit of a uh, a, uh, a Pirates honk, I guess. I sort of like the way that they've done – the way they've built that team. Um you know, I see Chad Cools pitching their their number three start <laughs> over the season, making me rethink the uh, the prediction a little bit. Um, also, you know, the uncertain status of Jung Ho Gong, who has been an impact player for them. Oh, yeah. I don't think
2: you can expect him all
0: year. Yeah, huh, but so. uh, I, I just, I, I'm really high on Polanco. I think he's, you know, he's really sort of improved, maybe a little more slowly than people expected. But I'm expecting kind of like a, you know, maybe not... MVP level, but sort of in that upper sphere of players, this upper tier of players this year. You know, I expect Cole to come back and be dominant again. And I think their bullpen is going to be helped by one of your favorite players. Oh, uh,
2: Felipe Rivero. Pirates fans hated the Mark Monson trade last year so much. They hated it. And they were wrong. And I'm going to tell you that they were wrong because uh, Felipe Rivero is going to be a stud. He had a... 58.3% whiff rate on his changeup. That's the highest of any pitch in baseball. Minimum 100 thrown, and uh, he was just—he can be so dominant. He was one of just a handful of lefties to touch 100 miles an hour. He's got this unbelievable changeup. For two months of Mark Melanson, who did not make a difference in whether the Pirates are going to make the playoffs or not, they get six years of this guy, and then they also got another uh, hard-throwing prospect whose name I can't remember right now. But I, I, I like—I actually liked that trade, Felipe Rivero. I am all in on him. All right, I've never said that about a couple of guys. I'm kind of building my own. Like, here's my breakout picks this year. Uh, so I said the Cardinals, and part of that's because I don't think we paid enough
0: attention. Well, let attention. me get my Pirates fact in. Oh, okay, okay. It goes back to Polanco for a second just to show sort of the how the balls in play can be—you can see such variance on them. And maybe this speaks to him maybe not breaking out the way I anticipated, but last year he was 22 for 22 on barrels. So every time he barreled the ball, it was a hit. The year before, he was 11 for 19 on barrels. Um, which is the lowest batting average on barrels that year uh minimum in, in baseball with a minimum of 15 barrels so that it just kind of goes to show how um how things can swing from one year to another even with really uh incredible batted ball contact so yes the cardinals we definitely differ i mean i still think they'll be pretty good but i'm just i just see a lot more I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a contrarian. I'm. I'm I don't know. But
1: I,
2: I mean, I, listen. The Cardinals they need to they need to improve their defense, and they said they had. I actually do like adding Dexter Fowler, um, but I do think that we didn't pay enough attention last year to Soon Wong O, oh, who kind of came over and took that job from Trevor Rosenthal after Trevor Rosenthal uh, basically imploded. And we looked at estimated uh, weighted on base. His was the ninth best in baseball. He was absolutely dominant. That slider is a wipeout pitch. And um, you know, if if not for him, after Rosenthal fell apart, I don't know what they would have done last year. So he essentially save that season more or less I think and um to see him if he can come back and do it again this year that's going to be huge for them
0: yeah well one of the reasons that, I'm sticking with estimated uh, weighted on base I'm sticking with that is one of the reasons I'm bearish on them is is uh, Diaz who had one of the largest gaps negative gaps in baseball in estimated weighted on base his weighted on base was 376 his estimated was 322 so there's a 50 point difference so it leads me to believe that that impressive rookie season Main the batted ball contact, batted ball profile does not suggest it is sustainable and he's one of the guys I sort of expect to take a step step back for them.
2: I think let's move to the Brewers and they're they're similar to the twins in that they're not gonna win a lot of games this year, but they do have a couple of guys I'm actually pretty excited to see. We both picked Keon Broxton facts here. And let me say I know that I know that my friend Jeff Sullivan has like taken the Keon Broxton beat, but I've been excited about him for months.
0: Well, I actually have been excited for him for years. I actually have a years. Keon Broxton story to tell. Oh my god. In two thousand eleven I was at spring training and I went to an Angels-D-backs game, minor league game at Salt River, specifically to see Mike Trout. Because I am like, oh, this guy's a top prospect. I want to go see him in a minor league game. Of course, I get there, and the Angels don't have names on the back of their minor league jerseys, and they didn't have a roster listed. So I didn't know who Mike Trout was. <laughs> but the D-backs, however, did have the names on the back of their junior jerseys, and by far the most impressive player on the field that day was Keon Broxton, who was just total tools goof, who was a third-round pick, who... It took him years. To, I mean, he was at that time he was like an a ball. I even at the time I, I sent an email to the guys in my fantasy baseball league, which I even resurfaced this week just to show them how smart <laughs> I am. Being like, hey, watch out! Five years from now, I'm getting Keon Broxton. Granted, I was a little I was a little early on that prediction, yeah. but um, it just goes to show how much you know. He, lo- I mean, he just looked like a baseball player. He made some great throws. He hit the ball hard. It just go- goes to show. When, you talk, when scouts talk about drafting athletes, he's a great athlete, and it took him years, but he's finally kind of coming into his own.
2: I learned something here. I knew that the Brewers had gotten him from Pittsburgh for next to nothing. I didn't actually know he'd been with Arizona before that. So now was, i got to go find out what that
0: did. Look, he was purchased. Oh. Was purchased. <laughs> From the TFX, I looked it up this morning by the Pirates.
2: Okay, well, that's a, an interesting career path. So we both went with Keon Broxton and FAX. We actually did this. Let's see. I did mine on offense. I went with the fact that he crushed the ball last year. If you look at everybody who had a hundred balls in play, his exit velocity of ninety-five miles an hour was the fourth highest in baseball, behind Nelson Cruz, Aaron Judge, and Giancarlo Stanton, otherwise known as three enormous men none of whom can really play—Stanton can play the outfield, I guess, a little bit, but Cam Braxton can actually play a really good center fielder. He's also extremely fast. Now, contact is always going to be the issue. Can you make enough contact to get to the exit velocity? But he crushed the ball, and he can play a fantastic defense, and that's kind of what you went with.
0: Yes, only Billy Hamilton and Travis Jankowski had a higher uh, five-star catch conversion rate than his uh, 33.3% mark, a minimum— uh, 50 outfield chances so he can go and get it he can go get it and he can hit the ball hard uh, and then finally we move on to the Cincinnati Reds
2: the Reds are not going to have a good season this year I think we can all agree with that but they do have a couple of really like star level players Joey Votto remains one of the most dangerous hitters in baseball I've never seen anything like that second half he put together last year maybe since like Barry Bonds uh, you went with the Joey Votto fact.
0: yeah last year the highest estimated weight on base uh, in the National League last year 413 so the Reds are not going to be good but you, when you watch them you will still see you know You'll see Joey Votto. You'll see maybe the best hitter in baseball.
2: And you'll see Billy Hamilton, who yeah. is who is if not the best outfielder, I think the Kiermaier is probably the best, but Billy Hamilton is the most exciting just because of the things he can do. And he had the highest, he didn't have the most five-star catches because he got hurt and he missed the last month, but he had the highest percentage of five-star catches at 38%. So when there was a ball that went towards him, that was a possibility of being a five-star catch. He converted that almost 40% of the time. I believe uh, it's been a while since I looked it up. I think the major league average was like 19% of the time. Uh, So he's a highlight reel. Everything you watch. And he's one of those guys where it's like, you know, the data and the eye test, they align real well because he makes it look spectacular. Um, So, you know, that is our look at the NL Central, the Cubs, obviously St. Louis or Pittsburgh. In the wild card, depending on which one of us you ask. Uh, moving on to the West, we both picked the Dodgers, but this is where it gets interesting. You actually picked the Dodgers to go all the way. I still have the Cubs as my
0: champion. You picked the Dodgers. I, to think win the, I think this is the Dodgers' year, deepest team, deepest team in baseball. I think by far. I think that's you know, in the way baseball sort of run, the teams you know are much more cognizant of giving players rest. Maybe you know, with a ten day DL, I can f- foresee the Dodgers being very aggressive and creative yes. with, with using the ten day disabled list to their advantage. Uh, and I just think that you know, obviously. Postseason is a bit of a crapshoot, I, but I, you know, to me, there it's, it's their year. I, I was trying to think about this this morning. If you take the five best Dodger starters who
2: didn't make the rotation, would that rotation still be better than like half the teams in baseball? Because you'd have you'd have Uris, you'd have Alex Wood, you'd have Ross Stripling, you'd have Brock Stewart when he gets healthy. I don't even know who the five would Kasimir? be. There you go. Scott Casmer. There's a five. That's unbelievable. Those are five guys who didn't make their rotation right now. I'm a huge Alex Wood fan. Um so I went with a Dodger fact here, and I actually went with uh you know, we've been talking about the kind of hit probability and expected outcomes. The number one uh the, the Dodgers as a team last year had the lowest estimated weighted on base last year, two ninety one. And so that's just based on strikeouts and bad contact. No team, not the Cubs, not the Nationals, nobody had a lower estimated outcome than the Dodgers. And they actually had three guys in the top ten. Yeah. You expect Jansen. You expect kershaw grant dayton was in the top five i was so excited and about that
0: even with kershaw missing what two
2: months yeah exactly right he missed yeah. the best pitcher on the planet misses two months and these other guys step up as you said depth is uh hugely important you went with a young superstar who's on the hitting side
0: yeah similar to my freddie freeman factor before Corey seager had the second highest exit velocity by a left-handed hitter off left-handed pitching behind only david ortiz uh 720 and he had a 722 ops off lefties which will play and i could see it for, for improving but for a rookie hitter to have that ability to me it's just it speaks to just how good Corey Seeger is. He
2: is amazing. All right, we're going to lightning round these last few because I think we're running out of time here. Uh, we, yeah, I think San Francisco is going to be in second place. You actually think
0: somebody else is going to think beat It'll them be in the time. Diamondbacks or the Rockies. Okay. I don't know which one. Give me, give, give it a month. I'll, I'll tell you. Right. It.
2: Well, I went with uh, with 307 feet for my Giants fact. That's uh De- Denard Span average depth, tied in with McCutcheon and Jones for the shallowest center fielder in baseball. And McCutcheon's not a center fielder. Adam Jones made that WBC catch because he's actually playing like 14 feet deeper. So Denard Span shallowest center fielder in baseball. We'll see if that's still a thing that persists for them this year.
0: Uh, my fact is Brendan Belt, highest launch angle in baseball last year, 20.2 degrees. Average launch angle, that is. Uh, interesting, he actually only ended up with 19 homers, but still had a great year. It goes to show how hard it is for left-hand hitters, not named Barry Bonds, to hit home runs in that park. Uh, the Rockies were a, kind of a popular team, but they have just had a brutal spring as far as injuries, and so uh, it's going
2: to be tough to see if they're going to be able to still compete this year. But I went with Nolan Arenado. In the last two years, he hit 27 home runs on pitches outside the strike zone. That was the number one in baseball, more than Evan Gaddiso at 20. Uh, Baseball's best bad ball hitter. You don't think of him like a Vlad Guerrero type, but this is what he's done. I thought that was cool.
0: Uh, I'm going with Cargo, 427 feet, average longest home run distance in MLB last year. I know a lot of that is Coors Field, but he just hits majestic home runs. I think he's the closest thing we have now to, like, Ken Griffey Jr. in terms of just, like, the, the, the hitting the prettiest home, just like the, the smoothest home runs. High praise uh with the Diamondbacks. I uh, under new management. So last year they had
2: the eighty point five percent. That's the number they had the lowest outfield catch success rate in baseball. They had, like basically the worst outfield defense. And I, I say that not to bag on them, but the point being, Pollock was hurt. Peralta was hurt. They were playing basically backup infielders in the outfield, and I think now they're going to have these guys back. It's going to be a better outfield defense. It's going to help Gronke. It's going to help Robbie Ray. It's going to help these guys. They're just going to get more support that they didn't get last year.
0: Yeah, my my facts about Paul Goldschmidt, which might be a reason to be a little bit bearish on him and something to watch, is that last year his exit velocity, launch angle, and barrel per plate, plate appearance all went down, and his ground ball rate was almost up to fifty percent. So if that could be the first sign of a decline in Paul Goldschmidt, we'll have to wait and see, but. You know, that's definitely something to keep an eye on as like we look to the, the uh, Diamondbacks to try and bounce back.
2: Our final team is the San Diego Padres, who are deep into a rebuilding phase, but they do have some interesting players. Uh, you mentioned Travis Jankowski before. I picked him. His 36% five-star catch rate was second only to Billy Hamilton. His 92% overall catch rate was third best. I don't know if he can hit, but he can fly, and he's an elite defensive outfielder. He's someone I'm going to be interested to watch.
0: Yeah, Maya, you've, if you've listened to the podcast, you know I'm a, a Luis Perdomo fan. Um, I talked about top rate before. He had a Led the majors with a 50% top rate, and it's interesting because it speaks to his spin rate on his fastball. That two-seam is the lowest spin rate on his two-seam in the baseball. Low spin rate on fastball, ball sinks, get ground balls. There you go, Luis Perdomo, deep sleeper.
2: I'm finishing up with the NL. We both picked Bryce Harper for the MVP. We both picked Clayton Kershaw for the Cy Young. We both picked Swanson for the Rookie of the Year. Uh, you went with uh, Clint Hurdle for the manager. I went Dave Roberts. And uh, basically our, our World Series picks here, uh, I went with Houston and, and the Cubs. You went with Houston and the Dodgers. Dodgers winning it all, Cubs winning it all on my side. So anyway, those are our picks, uh, and those are so many StatCast facts. Please use them as you will. I am Mike. This is Matt. This is the MLB.com StatCast podcast.